It's time to turn off the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve in the world of horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrifying flicks. If you made your own horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you mix daddy issues, a weird haircut, and an interesting twist? Why you get, come to daddy. and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. It's that time again where I'm looking at something pretty goddamn new, and so I'm going to say this right off the top, and there's two things I really enjoy about this film, um, and not to go through all the things, but one is that there, the trailer for this movie gives absolutely nothing away. Now, I will talk about it more as we get into the podcast, but... That leads me to my point number two. There is a twist in this film I did not see coming. So I'm going to say right away, before I even delve into it and get into some of the other stuff that I normally do, if you have not seen this film and you really want to see it, and you just, you know, you do it with some other ones, but you weren't quite sure about this one, you were on the fence of what was going to happen, what's going on, and you were like, okay, just based upon the trailer... Please go watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. Make sure that you watch the movie because I don't really want to give away the twist because it even got me and we'll talk about it as we go through the rest of the movie. But I really want you to enjoy it if you were looking forward to watching this movie. If you really had no interest in watching it and you want to hear more about it, maybe it's going to make you you know want to watch it afterwards. Go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. You know, I'm not going to like, oh, stop right here. But please... I really want people to enjoy this movie for what it is, uh, or at least not get that portion. Even if you don't enjoy the movie, to get to that point where you see that twist, it would be, you know, I'd feel terrible about it because, you know, I spoil everything as we go through this because we're going to go through the whole goddamn movie uh, like I normally do. So those are the two things right up front. I'm just saying that. So with that out of the way... um, this is one of those movies where I saw the trailer for it, and it looked really interesting, and then I really wanted to watch it. And then everything happened. We we all know what's been going on for the last couple months, okay? I don't need to reiterate that shit. But it really came out shortly after. And so when I found out that it was going to be on Amazon Prime, I was like, great. And then there was a series that I wanted to watch. Well, it turned out to be a series. I thought it was a movie for some reason feel so stupid like afterwards but it's basically like three 20 minute episodes so it could have been like a whole movie just put it all together but still it was something that i originally was like okay this is actually gonna be really cool for the podcast it's something new something i wanted to watch and let's go ahead and do it well i don't want to do a series i mean i feel like weird doing tv when i do this stuff i felt weird when i did that little south park thing for the 100th episode uh that went on because it just it's become somewhat disjointed. It's like I'm basically playing the whole goddamn episode. So 
I didn't really want to do that. So here we are. That's why we're getting Come to Daddy. Now, Come to Daddy is a really interesting film in that it's done by Ant Thompson, and Ant Thompson was responsible for producing films such as Turbo Kid, uh, Housebound, and the ABCs of Death series, which I really enjoyed both ABCs of Death, and actually has a couple of actors from those series inside of this film as well. But this was kind of his, it seems like his first like directorial like movie, like for full-length movie. And so it seems like an odd departure from what like those films are. Well, I'm not totally sure if it's his very first directorial movie, but it seems at least based upon uh, IMDb, I didn't really see any other big directorial or (laughs) directorial, what the hell is wrong with me? Any other director credits that he really have, and I really hate the way that it, like, does this. (laughs) When you go look on the thing, you're like, oh, okay, let's see what he's got going on on upcoming projects. He was also responsible for Deathgasm, too. But uh, he was the writer of... ABCs of Death, ABCs of Death 2, Come to Daddy, and Crab Boy, a short from 96. In terms of being a director, yeah, so he only has two, which is Crab Boy, which is a short that's from 1996, and then Come to Daddy here. So it took him 13 years, well, more than 13, 23 years, to get to this point to actually do a full-length movie, right? And I was like, huh, after I kind of found out that, I was like, this might be relatively interesting, at least. Uh, and I love Elijah Wood, like, unabashedly. I've liked him since he was a child actor. Um, you know, he's usually the better role in most of the films. Radio Flyer, I can't watch that movie without fucking crying. Fuck you. I don't care. <laughs> that movie is sad as fuck, especially the ending of that goddamn film. And I remember seeing that film when I was super, super young, too. And I don't know if that was the right film for me to be watching at that time. But it's really good. Like, really, really, really good. Um, And then, of course, you've got, like, I think North is the other name of the movie, which stars Bruce Willis, where he's, like, the imaginary guy that's with him. And it's all like, oh, what if I left and divorced my parents? And then it's all a fucking dream. Oh, I'm sorry. I ruined North for you. Uh, But he's got a lot of good ones. And his big comeback, of course, we all know, was the Lord of the Rings movies, doing The Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, and, of course, The Return of the King and being, you know, Frodo in those films, which he's very, very good in, but of course we know those films belong to Samwise, uh, as well as their relationship in those movies. But I digress from that. So I really like what he's done. He's done a lot of really cool movies past that point. And it's funny because he's actually kind of around my age too. So there is that connection as well. It's kind of like when you look at Christina Ricci, right? For me, she's around my age, and so I've kind of grown up with her from her being the child actor to what she's done now, and she's done a lot of really interesting and some really terrible movies. Now, will I put this within Elijah Wood's uh, terrible movies? Well, we'll have to talk and we'll have to find out the way things go. But there, like I said, there are some major things I do like about this film, and, you know, it's going to be a, a weird conversation I think we're going to go through until we get to the ending, and you know, when we get through the rest of this film. So there's not much else that I really have to go by when it's like, I have no experience with the film. This is great. And this is two movies in a row where, you know, I really wanted to see these films. I haven't yet. And boom, I have the ability to see both movies and I'm getting a fresh perspective on the film. Whereas, you know, we're going to kind of get back to a little bit of normalcy as we get through the, the new films as we go on. So 
Without further ado, why don't we just go ahead and jump into this film? And the... Okay, I don't know if you've ever watched the CinemaSins uh, YouTube channel. And there's something that they talk about every time and usually give a sin for uh, right in the beginning. And I've begun because I'm watching some of those goddamn movies or, or videos uh, out there. I've begun to notice this trend too. And it's driving me fucking batty. And it drives me. It was like I did it right at the beginning. The one thing that they give like a sin like right away for is how many fucking production companies and how long do you need to sit through before you actually get to the goddamn film. In this film's case, it's two minutes of like all these fucking production companies going through all the way from Saban Films. And I was like, okay, cool. Like Saban, I guess, is what it's actually known as, I believe, not Saban. Uh, and if you remember Saban, Saban's the reason why we have the Power Rangers here in the USA, and that's really my fucking, like, reference to it. But, like, they've been producing some decent films lately. Uh, there was another one that we saw recently that I was very surprised that was a horror movie, and it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And it was produced by Saban, and I was, man, so they're actually doing some kind of cool stuff lately. But then it's like one after another. There must have been like eight, maybe nine different fucking production companies, including the country of New Zealand. So <laughs> here we are. We've got a country produced movie. It's almost like when Canada does like their film grants for their, you know, Canadian grown films. They'll throw some money towards the directors and sort of these films as like a Canadian art project, uh, which is really weird and maybe i should move to canada and get some type of funding from them i could be a canadian funded guy wouldn't that be great man gotta think about that uh, but then in my head would it all flap all over the place once i moved over there so maybe that's not the way to go but nonetheless it's it's got a ton right before you even get to the fucking theme song and the titles and everything like that so i find that a little bit annoying and i really wish i wasn't paying attention to that anymore and that that channel's rubbed off on me in that way but <laughs> nonetheless after you go through all those freaking production companies and the country of uh, new zealand then you see norval and there are few to little, like, normal names in this film, and when there are ones, you're just kind of like, what? Like, oh my god, that's relatively no normal, but Norval? Like, who names their son that? That's very close to Norbit, and I don't think you want to be related with Norbit, like, at all. So, Norval gets off the bus, played by Elijah Wood, and he's out in the middle of nowhere. There's just basically a bunch of trees, a bunch of what seems to be like redwoods. I can't take tell if this takes place in, like, uh, I want to say maybe it takes place in, like, Washington, Oregon, or somewhere like that. Um, or it takes place way outside of the country, and it's actually filmed in New Zealand. Um, but they're trying to say that it was somewhere up on the West Coast. Because he's coming from Beverly Hills. So we know that this is based, supposedly, in the U.S. And he's basically gotten a letter from his dad, and he's going to go visit his father. So the first about five to six minutes of the film, well... I would say five, but really it's more or less like the first three minutes of the film uh, are him just going through the woods and kind of like just like traversing, going and trying to find his father's house that happens to be sitting on the ocean in a very nice spot. And that's when Norval comes up to the door and he meets his dad and we get to meet dad for the very first time. Dad, it's me, Norval. Uh, I got your letter. 
your letter asking me to come and see you? Well, here I am. It's me, Norval. Jesus Christ. I never thought I'd see you again. Well, you want to come in? Yes, please. Okay, so right away, this movie is extremely awkward from the like meeting of these two because as we're going to find out you know Norval was abandoned at about the age of five by his father so he really hasn't seen him for a very long time and this is who we get introduced to as well and his father is played by Stephen McHattie now you may not recognize the name but he's been in movies such as Pontypool, The Fountain, Watchmen, The Covenant he's been in a bunch of other stuff uh, he was also recently in the movie Z that's available on Shudder. Um, he played Dr. Seeger in that movie. And he was also in what seems to be the remake of Rabbit. Um, so he's kind of been around the community for quite some time. And I recognize him right away, but I can't quite fucking pinpoint him. But I really love the way that he plays the character in this film. And as we go along, like we see the changes in things. And what's really difficult at this point once you know what the big twist is you see how well like this role actually is portrayed everything that leads up to that point in the movie and then you see what's kind of been going on and it's really difficult to like not say it (laughs) as we talk about it but i'm going to try to leave the twist within the first 30 minutes or you know in the first 30 minutes of the movie because that's where it's left here um and what i want to say here too when I talk about the trailer, the trailer of the movie really is just from the first 30 minutes of the movie. There are a couple of shots, like, sprinkled in there that is towards the end, but almost everything that you get is from the first 30 minutes of the movie. So a lot of the stuff that you're going to hear is really lifted, like, into the trailer, right? I would say lifted from, but I didn't lift it from there. I lifted it from the movie. But a lot of the big lines that you're going to hear, you heard in the trailer, and I love that. I absolutely love that with this movie because we don't have to worry about other parts of the movie being completely spoiled for you. You know, my biggest gripe with the most recent Pet Cemetery thing is that they try to give away one of the biggest sequences. Well, they did give away one of the biggest like twists and changes to the original story right away, right there in the fucking trailer. And it sucks because I would have liked to experience that for myself for the very first time. And maybe that hurt a little bit of my enjoyment for that film. But here, I know that something weird is going to happen. I know there's going to be a scene where he approaches his son with a meat cleaver. But, you know, kind of getting (laughs) to that a little quickly here, but that only happens in this first 30-minute segment of this movie. The first act is the trailer. Everything else is just out there. And you get to experience yourself and it's great. I I love the way they did the trailer for this film to not ruin a single thing of what's going to come and only prepare you for the beginning of the film and this like weird relationship between Norval and his father. So basically you have Norval here too. His outfit. Let me tell you about his outfit. Um 
there's bull cut and then there's bull serial killer cut. And that's exactly what Elijah Wood has with that little like porn mustache that he's got and that really ridiculous hair that he's got going on. He really looks like the, the antithesis of what people would tell him that he looks really kind to me. He looks like he's just a fucking mess. Like he's a complete and utter mess. He doesn't know how to cut his own hair. Or doesn't go to whatever he thinks. Maybe he thinks he's bigger than he actually is. Or he's just a dork trying to be cool in some way, shape, or form. But even a dork or a geek or a nerd would look at that haircut and say, I'm not fucking getting that. I'm just not doing it. No. Unless you were like in these current quarantine times where, you know, the only way that you're going to get your haircut is if, you you know... Somebody you know or your roommate decides that they're going to cut the hair. What's the easiest way to do that? Go get the fucking flow bean. Go get the fucking ball and cut that shit. That's exactly <laughs> what Norval has done to his fucking hair, right? Uh, for some of us, we're lucky enough to live with somebody that can actually cut their hair because, you know, she studied cosmetology and then we don't cut our hair anyway. So, yeah, that's just where we land on things. But... It's just kind of a weird outfit and a weird dichotomy to the two because then you look at... And they really don't look anything like alike. And I get it. This is a movie and you don't always have people that look alike. But they really try to get people that look very similar. And maybe that's just something that we're going to kind of experience here. That, hey, you know what? They just really aren't alike. And it really seems like he's happy to see his son. And at the same time, there's some type of, like, delay, but like wariness on both sides like he really wants to you know he's happy to see him but he's just trying to remember things and if like maybe he's kind of going back with what kind of Norval's feeling at this time too which is you know hey i haven't seen you since i was five and i don't really remember you that much and i want to make this work because i just don't know who you are and i really want to know you you wrote this letter and here i am i'm coming out to you so they basically, you know, get together, he goes inside, and then he starts looking around the place, and that's where his father asks him, well, why do you like this place? After he kind of, like, tries to make some small talk. Why? Uh, it's like a UFO from the 1960s. A UFO from the 1960s? Yeah. A UFO from the 1960s. Exactly. That's brilliant. Yeah. When did I last see you, son? I don't know. Uh, Come on, how long's it been? A long time. A long time, yeah. Too long. Too fucking long. (laughs) God damn. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get you unpacked. So as you can kind of tell with everything that's going on here, it's extremely fucking awkward in between the two of them. Like... They're both kind of looking at each other like he doesn't quite remember, but he does have this kind of like drunken look to him. So 
it's kind of expected for him to be like maybe like an alcoholic and he just wasn't ready to be a father and hopefully we're going to learn exactly why he wrote to him and why he has them there i mean that seems the whole reason why you know even norval wants to show up in this situation right he wants to be there to basically find out why did you leave me he's got daddy issues and he really needs to solve them and he can't just solve them by you know say, spending a ton of money and showing off or something like that. He just wants to have this one situation. And you can tell within the way that Norval's speaking, even though it's very, like, kind of wispy and very, like, succinct in the way that he's saying what he wants to say. Like, he wants to open up more and he wants to, but he's trying to get feelers out and make sure that he's doing the right thing. And he really, like, it's not about necessarily making small talk. It's just kind of getting used to the situation. And it seems like his father really just kind of want to dives into it. And he's trying to, like, feel and get him to, like, kind of remember things. It's weird. And it's very, very awkward. And it's caused by both of them. And so... From here, we go out, and we they go on to the deck, and he says, oh, yeah, we should totally take a selfie together. And then Norval's like, oh, okay. And he's holding up the phone, and Dad's like, no, 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 no. You need to go, and you need to, you know, put it up at this angle and get some of the ocean back there. And he grabs the phone from him, and we go over into, like, the phone screen, like, we are, we're actually seeing what it's filming at that point. And I really like the perspective that's going on here. And it's hard, again, I really want to talk about it right now, but I want to leave the fucking twist to go on. But the way that he grabs it and the way that you were showing that it's kind of upside down, uh, I really like the way that film, like, it, you get the feeling that the father is a little bit out of touch on what's kind of going on, and to the fact that he actually drops it, and it drops into the ocean. Norval kind of like, oh no, this is a limited edition phone designed by Lord, um, and it's just kind of a weird, awkward scene. No, no, you gotta get the C in there. Come on, here. Well, I'm careful. That's a limited edition gold phone designed by Lord. Lord? Never heard of it. It's real gold. There we go about that, huh? Okay. Smile. Oh, oh. shit. Well, fuck. I should never have had that second beer for breakfast. There are only 20 of those phones in the world. Yeah. No, now there's 19. It's so fantastic. I don't know why I love these, like, little scenes like this. And they're all peppered throughout the whole freaking movie. You can, you know, there's... There's a weird type of humor that comes along with this film. And I'd put this more on, like, the dark comedy slash horror thriller. Like, it kind of lives in that world. And as we, you know, work through everything, like, there are very big horror tendencies in this movie. And there's a bit, definitely a bunch of, like, tension-filled scenes that are really good. But I'd leave it a little more on the thriller aspect more than anything else. Uh, but... There is a lot of really, really funny scenes, and this happens to be one of them. Because I, I really, like I said, I really like how he takes it. Like, he takes the phone, we go over the phone angle, and he's like, he's looking up, and it's upside down. And you can tell that Norval kind of recognizes that it is. And there's a sly look 
on his father's face as he's trying to, and he looks over to his son for a second, and you're like, huh? And then he drops the phone. Like, and it seems like it's almost on purpose, but it does look like it fell out of his hands, like he just wasn't able to hold on to it. And the son is just like, oh my god, that was designed by Lord. You know, I, I didn't know Randy Marsh was such a good friend with him that he designed him a phone, but I guess that's the way things are going to go. And so when he drops it, that line of, well, I guess there's only 19 now, like, I... Just remember bursting out laughing because it's such an awkward and ridiculous line to say. And he's just has this like demeanor of like, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm old. Here I am. You know, okay. Well, whoever that fucker was, you know, <laughs> we're, you know, I don't really care about like the fancy things in life. He lives out there in the middle of nowhere with just the ocean to like in the woods, you know, right by him to enjoy life. Why does he care about, like, big-name people and special edition phones? And when he drops, she's like, oh, oh, well, that's it. And Norval doesn't really get upset. I mean, I was expecting him to, like, try to run down there and grab it, but that also kind of shows exactly what type of character this is. He's very passive-aggressive in everything that he does. In fact, you know, when they go back inside and they start having the conversation as they're getting ready to make dinner, it kind of gets kind of weird as well. But again, you get that passive aggressiveness, and especially with the way that Elijah Wood shows his body language in this scene, it's really fantastic. So, how's your mother? Not great, actually. Oh? She ever talk about me? Not really. You live with her? Yeah. It's a temporary arrangement. You don't feel embarrassed about that? Living with your mom at your age? I don't know. I've had a rough few years. She helped me get me back on my feet. It's complicated. You sleep with her? What? You share a bed with your mom. No. (laughs) See, it's very, very awkward. And, like, he's trying to get some stuff out of him. And he's trying to, like, make some jokes. Because he seems like a very, like, old school type of dad, right? Like, where I don't care about the new generation. The fact that you're still living with your mother. Like, that kind of pisses him off. You can kind of feel that type of tension inside of him like why are you still living with your mom at the age that you are because you have to be in your late 30s almost 40 and yet here you are and he makes that mention to him he's like you sleep with her what like you would automatically think that the dad was going to be like hey you fucking your mom uh no and and that's like the weird response is like it's not sure if he's like he's are you actually asking me that question? Uh, because it's it's no regardless, right? <laughs> I'm not fucking my mom, nor am I sleeping in the same bed as my mom. And, you know, the dad gets a very big chuckle out of the whole situation because, hey, you know, you could take that question either way. And he's just going to kind of go on with it. And 
it really feels like not only is like an old school guy not really happy with the way that his son has been growing up, but at the same time, you can tell he's kind of a bit of a drunk because he seems like he's completely fucking wasted on his ass. And in fact, as they go to dinner and they pour each other, well, he tries to pour some wine for Norville. Norville has to decline because he's had dependency problems. Oh, come on. Have a drink with your old man. I, I don't drink. No? Why is that? I've had what's called alcohol dependency issues. Yeah, and that is... Uh... It's when you're dependent on alcohol. I nearly... I wrote a note. I ran a bath. I came close. Really fucking close. Anyway, here I am. I survived. So... Okay, this scene here, and this really leads into the next scene, which it, it kind of goes to more of an explosive type of reaction from both of them. Um, it makes you feel that there's something really weird with Norval, right? And it's not just because, hey, you know, he had a dependency on alcohol, and he decided at one point that he was going to kill himself, right? And he shows his wrist... But there is no cut, and if there were an actual scar there, there is no scar that you can visibly see. I've rewound that portion a couple of different times because I really wanted to see if he was, like, full of shit or not. And you can tell that the attitude of the dad kind of changes here in this little section because he's not sure. Like, first it's like, you won't have a drink with your old dad, okay? I get it. And he doesn't understand what alcohol dependency is. Which I'm pretty sure that he does. But at the same time, I have this feeling it's more like, oh, that's some of that new age hippie bullshit. And we do find out that Norval kind of believes in it. Because as he was unpacking his stuff, we saw like a couple of different books. And they're mostly like self-help spiritual guide books that he has with him, right? And so he believes in like bettering himself through some of that hippy dippy bullshit if that's what you want to kind of you know consider it um or maybe you're totally into that stuff and whatever it's cool but even to me it's kind of a little bit out there you know but he's it's kind of still trying to reinforce the point that there are two different sides of the fucking planet his dad is a drunk his dad is like an old school type of guy and he doesn't believe in that type of stuff at least what you can look at from what you're getting just in these little scenes in between each other meanwhile norval he's you know a current age dude he dresses a little more effeminate than his dad does like they're all kind of weird artsy type things he has a bunch of self-help type of guides and novels along with him he has that really terrible serial killer hipster fucking haircut that he's got and he really has like he realized that he had a dependency on alcohol at some point in his life and decided to cut things out to a point where you know because he almost killed himself and it's just kind of weird i mean is it really like he's trying to say it like 
I went to alcohol because of you, Dad, and he's trying to get a rise out of him? Is he full of shit? Is he not full of shit? Don't really fucking know if that's the case. But what's really kind of telling is the fact that you can't really see anything on his arm. And his dad, I think, even kind of recognizes that at the same time. So when we get into the next scene of them all sitting around listening to some records, that's where we kind of find out that, hey, you know what? Norval might actually be a lion sack of shit. So, Dad. What do you do? For work. I'm retired. What did you do before you retired? I realize I know nothing about you. Boy, your mom, she really doesn't talk about me, does she? I was a limo driver. Yeah. I drove a big black limousine, fridge in the back, real leather seats. It was an award-winning limousine. I've been in a few limousines myself. I'm in the music business. Okay. I'm fairly big in the music business. I bet you are. What are you? A singer or something? I'm not someone you can pigeonhole, if I'm completely honest. Do I DJ? Yes. Do I produce blazing beats? Yes. Do I tinkle the ivories? Yes. Do I promote high-profile events pertaining to music and the performance of music? Yes. Okay. I'm close to some pretty big names. Substantial names, actually. I count Kendrick Lamar and Chance the Rapper among my closest allies. Anyone I've actually heard of? Elton John is a close friend. His real name is Reginald Kenneth Dwight. Elton, Reginald, discovered me. He saw me DJing at a nightclub. It was a gala event, and I was the DJ. He signed me to an exclusive deal. We inked the deal that same night. Elton, Reginald, (laughs) he's a great man. You could say he's like a father to me. No offense. (laughs) Boy, I'll tell you, it's a small world. I just happen to be a close friend of Reginald's, too. You are? Yeah. You're lying. I'm not. You are. I'm really not. No, Reginald and I, oh, we go way back. Really? I was his personal limo driver for 10 years. Yeah. We spent a decade together. Reginald and I. Driving, drinking, talking. We became close friends. Now, what are the odds that you would be close friends with him, too? 
So, as you can kind of tell with everything that's going on here in this scene, he's really trying to, like, puff his chest up. He wants to prove that to his father, at least that's what we're kind of getting, or what maybe I'm getting out of this scene, that, hey, I've done better than what you think I was with you not around. Look at me. I'm a famous fucking DJ. You know, I produce the hottest beats. Oh, God. It's so fucking cringy and so fucking awkward that I actually kind of like the scene, but it makes me feel, like, so terrible. It's even so hard to listen back to it again. The first time I had to pause it for a little bit because I'm like, oh, I just, I don't want to fucking get through this, this terrible, terrible scene. And it's funny because, you know, my wife likes to watch a lot of these, like, cringy, like, TikTok things, and... It's like, I think this would be within her realm of what she would really like and watching him like shrink down, especially when like his father's just like, okay, let's go ahead and call Reginald. And he's like lifting up the phone. And he's like, come on, no, we'll call him. He's like, no, dad, don't worry about it. Oh, well, let's call. No, dad. And then finally it's like, yep, you're a crock of fucking shit. Like that's the whole like... He's really trying to impress his dad. And he's like, you think you would impress me with Elton John? You know, he just had to leave it with Kendrick Lamar and Lord. Like, he's throwing out these names because his dad hasn't seen him in a while. And you would think that if he was a famous DJ, musician, whatever he was, that his dad wouldn't know who he was. Like, in some way, shape, or form, like, he could actually say, I get it. You could be one of those guys that's like, hey, you know what? I don't give a crap about anything right now. And you say, like, Katy Perry's name. Who? Who's Katy Perry? I've never heard of that person before. She's only in pop music and everybody in the fucking world knows who she is. But you maybe live in the middle of nowhere and you really don't know. But at the same time, he could be also one of those guys that does know and is just trying to be like, oh... Like, he was really trying to get and figure out what his son might actually be doing and whether or not his son actually is a complete crock of shit. Which, turns out, he's a complete crock of shit. So, that goes back to the story about the suicide. Is it really because of the suicide that he tried to do it? You can't see anything on him over there. So, that is probably always, like leading the father to be like oh what is up with him is he trying to just make me fucking feel bad is that that's all that's really going on uh, who who knows who knows what is going on in the situation here but it's this weird like cat and mouse game between the two of them because he's trying to figure out what exactly is going on and at the same time you know he's trying to get a feel for his son and what is the son's deal you know why does the son want to make himself look bigger than he is and it's probably because he's trying to prove to his dad that hey i didn't need you my life look how fucking famous i've become so after all this awkwardness ensues, and he kind of really gives in to the whole idea, well, Norval does, that he's been fucking lying, they decide to go to sleep for the night. And as Norval's kind of laying there in the bed, and he's just kind of up, and he's like, I think there's part of it that he's like, well, look, I fucked up, and maybe I need to make it up to him next day, and I need to start asking the questions that I need to fucking ask. And as he's doing that, you hear muffled sounds coming from the hallway. And they never really get super clear. And this happened a couple times in the movie, and this is one of the things that kind of irked me sometimes in the sound design and the way that it worked. And especially is we're supposed to not kind of understand where things are. He starts talking about, yeah, I'll do something about him. 
and you kind of don't really understand what's going on. It's better when you're wearing like headphones or something like that. You get a clearer sound, but it's, I think it's really meant to be that way at the same time because you really want to get this type of like tension. And he, as he gets closer and closer to the room, he's still not able to make out everything that his father is saying, but it definitely freaks him out. And then obviously you hear the father go, wait a second. I think I hear something. And that's where, like, you know, Norval books it back to his room. And there's a good bit of tension, especially as as his father comes into the room and starts looking down upon him as he's trying to sleep in the bed. And Norval does cover his head with the blankets there and turns over. And then the father does leave the room. It's an interesting scene because after they had the night before, it's like, well, why would he do something like that? And what's kind of going on? And this is where I'm kind of like, okay, so this is where like the thriller aspect of the movie is going to start kicking in. What is it going to be? And the thoughts all kind of ran through my head of what did the trailer try to tell me? Right. And there has to be something like weird going on with the dad. And why does he want him there? Is there something? And especially when you started like, Oh, you start hearing the noises that are in the trailer. They're not really apparent right now. And they will come to play a little bit sooner. Uh, but it's like, what exactly is happening in this portion of the film? You know, are we meant to, like, there's going to be that scene where he goes after him, like, is it that he's bringing him there to make pass? I don't know, there's all these, like, crazy things running in my head. Is he involved with something, like, that he's going to sacrifice his son? Is this going to be, like, a a midsummer type of thing where it's going to get really crazy and creepy and there's going to be, like, an occult type of thing going on? Not saying that midsummer thing is an occult, but uh, it's kind of cultish. I guess you could say it was cultish. But here, it definitely is like, I have all these things running in my head of what I want this movie to be. And this scene is a pretty good scene of it. Because there is a lot of a good tension in the scene. As you hear him, you know, muffled down the hallway. And you just get little like glimpses of what exactly he's saying. And then all of a sudden, when he's found out, you see him like book it. And it's obvious that he knows that he heard something was going on. Because he stands over his bed for quite some time. And then he just kind of walks away. And that's the end of that. So it's a very, like, intense-ish scene. It's not, like, super, like, oh, my God, he's going to rip the thing off. But I think if I was seeing it in a theater, I would think it would be more, like, tension-filled than even when I get when you're watching it at home. So the next day, he does wake up with his dad, and he really wants to kind of ask him something of what's going on and kind of why did he invite him here? Dad, can I ask you something? Why did you ask me to come here? You sent me a letter asking me to come, but now I'm here, and you seem like you'd rather I wasn't. It's like you regret sending that letter. Maybe I'm wrong. Am I wrong? I'm going to take a crap. Then let's go for a swim. Again, this is one of those like random parts of the film where it's just there's something that's funny that is said. And he's just like, I got to take a crap. Let's go for a swim. Like, 
what the hell? Like, he's totally trying to avoid the question, especially with the weirdness that happened the night before, that you're kind of like now in that situation that Norval's in where I really want to know, why did he invite him here? And especially with the whole thing of telling somebody, yeah, I'll do something about him. What does that exactly mean? We don't really know. Will we ever find out? Well, I'm hoping that we will at some point in the film. And so instead of just answering him directly, and I understand that with the awkward conversation they had the night before, he really wants to understand why. Why is he here? Like, if it's not to know more about his son, which he doesn't really seem interested in, but of course his son is also a lying fucking sack of shit, I don't understand why he won't answer the question other than there may be something a little more sinister going on. So... As he gets ready to go have a swim and while his dad's taking a crap, he does get a call from his mom. And it's kind of in a weird, one-sided conversation because we never actually listen and hear what the mom is saying. It's all just Norval talking on the phone. And I really wish we got the other side. But I think that it kind of makes an impactful like point to the scene, especially how the scene ends up. Mom. Hey. Yeah, yeah, okay. How are you? Oh, that's great. I don't know. It's harder than I thought. He's not how I imagined him. Not at all. I don't think he sees many people. He's not used to having people around. I'm sure it'll get easier. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll end up being best friends. And it's at this point that a rock lands right in the water right next to his head. And you see that his father is just looking at him in the ocean. You're kind of like what the fuck is going on here? Like it really is now creating an environment that you're just, I don't understand what is happening. You know, he's out there. They look like they're going to run into the water together. And then he stops and Norval just jumps in on his own and swims out there and he's just floating and he's just looking up into the sky and he's really, you know, as he's talking to his mom and he's contemplating and, you know, I don't know what we're going to be. Maybe we're going to be friends, but right now it's obvious that he hasn't seen anybody in a long time and he keeps to himself as a hermit. And honestly, that's the vibe that I've got from his father right here in this, like these little scenes that have all led up to this. And then there's just that look after the rock hits the water and then you look over and he's just out there and he's kind of smiling and then he jumps into the water and you're like, what? Like, it's just so weird. And like I said, everything up to this point, and this is about 20 or so minutes into the movie, this is just the trailer. Everything that you've heard so far, everything that we've talked about, it's just the trailer of the film. It leads up to this little last point, and this is where everything is going to jump off and become like really strange and really odd, and it's going to change the whole tone of the movie. So, (laughs) here we go. He just goes ahead... And, you know, they get back up to the house 
and they begin talking once again. And Norval really, he's going to put his foot down because Norval wants to understand exactly why he called him out here and whether or not he's the dad that he's been looking for all this time. Dad. Mm. Dad. Mm. Yeah. I need to know why you sent that letter. Give it a rest. Dad, I came all this way. No, I don't want to discuss it. This is hard for me, too, you know. Fucking drop it. I don't want to fucking drop it. What did you say to me? I said... You said... I said, I don't want to fucking drop it. You watch how you talk to me, boy. You asked me to come here. Here I am. And? And you have some explaining to do. (sighs) Like what? You walked out on us when I was five. Thirty years later, you asked me to come and see you. Here I am. I came here because I assumed that at some point you were going to explain yourself. I don't have to explain myself to you. I disagree. Do you? Yeah. What the fuck are you going to do about it? What the fuck are you going to do about it? Hmm? I know what's happening here. Trust me. You got no fucking idea what's happening here. I think I do. Oh, fuck off. You wrote that letter when you were drunk. You probably don't even remember sending it. Fuck off. You're a drunk. That's all you are. A useless drunk. Okay, so this is kind of an interesting scene that goes on here. And there's going to be a little more. I want to just have this break in here. Because eventually, with everything that's kind of going on, Norval really hasn't been there for a whole time. And he's just desperate for answers. And I totally understand his whole situation that's going on here, right? Because if I was in his position at the same time, and I haven't heard from my dad since I was five fucking years old, I would want to know, why did he leave us? Why would at this time, right now, this specific time, did you decide that, hey, I want to reach out to my son? This is the point in time that you're going to do it? It makes no sense. Why would you do it at this specific time? And... We don't really get to have that answer because the dad just does not want to talk about it. He wants him to shut the fuck up and just leave it alone. Let's just continue going on because he's tired of him whining about it. Why do you have to keep doing this? You can see it on his face too. He's like sitting over there and he's just kind of off in the distance. And he's like, you know, just drop it. Drop it. I'm not going to tell you why. And he's just keeps hammering and hammering and eventually like you know it's almost like he's doing his best jack nicholson and being like you can't handle the truth you know but it's not necessarily that it's just that he doesn't want to deal with his bullshit i don't want to deal with his bullshit and it's really like what is this movie like this is the point and what happens next is going to change everything like of what my idea of this movie is going to be because at this point i really don't know is this movie about you know just daddy issues is it going to become something completely different in a second like 
Like, where is it going to go? You know, is it that his dad just doesn't want anything to do with him and he brought him here? And maybe it is like Norval said, hey, he's just a fucking drunk. And he wrote this letter when he was just fucking wasted because he was feeling sorry for himself. And he's like, you know what? I did wrong by my son and I need to do something before I don't have a lasting legacy. Like, I want to make sure that if I die, that my son at least knows who the fuck I am. And it's just weird because... Part of it kind of hits a little close to home with, you know, uh, members of my family, uh, especially on my dad's side and his dad and him uh, and some of the stuff. Not that he left him, but just that, you know, there was always this like kind of weird divide. Like my father was the one that was always reaching out to him to make sure that he went and saw him, make sure that we knew who he was, you know. But at the same time, at times my grandfather at least growing up, like, on that side of the family, just didn't seem to give a shit. And that's kind of what's going on here between his dad and him. Like, he brought him out there for whatever reason it was, but he doesn't really seem to give a shit that he's even there. Like, he doesn't want to deal with the stuff. But maybe he also doesn't want to do anything heavy. I can also respect that at the same time. Like, I just want to be with you. Like, I just want to be father and son. Can we at least... Get that fucking established, and then I'll tell you everything. That's where I really feel like it's going to go. But of course, he brings out the fucking demon in his father, and that's where, well, he calls him a rat fucker and some other things. You can't handle your boobs. You can't handle being a dad. Uh-huh. I've been trying so fucking hard to like you, but it's impossible. You're impossible. Fuck off. You fuck off. No. You fuck off. You're a rat fucker. You stuff rats up your vagina. You dress like a woman, yeah? You dress like a cunt. Please don't call me that. Then why? You're very cunty. Don't say that. Oh. Well, I call a spade a spade and a cunt a cunt. And you, sir are a certified cunt. Did you really think that I would be impressed with your fucking Elton John story? Only a cunt would think that. Cunt! Cunt! Please don't push me. Oh, yeah, what? What? I'll leave. Oh, no, no, you're not going anywhere. I think I might just go. Yeah, well... You get lost in the woods and die. And they find a rat skeleton inside your pelvic bone where your vagina was. You'd love that, wouldn't you, Dad? Oh, fuck. You'd love it if I was dead. God fucking damn it! I believe the correct term is suicide. Fuck. Oh, fuck. Come on. Come here, you little rat fucker. Come here. Come to daddy. Please, please don't do this. I'm sorry. I'm so fucking sorry. It's a fucking gratitude, yeah? I thought you wanted to die. I I didn't. I don't. Please, Dad, don't. 
no. Dad? So, my first impression of what happened in this scene is that he's playing a fucking joke on his son. Right away, with everything that was going on, he was so sick of his shit, they got to the point where he's just like, you know what, you're just a fucking baby. Okay, you can't deal with this shit, so I fucking left you so long ago. Who gives a shit? You know what you are? And I really wish people would use this fucking curse more often. You're a rat fucker. You like to take rats and stick them up your vagina. It is one of my favorite visuals from this movie. That 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 is that insulting, right? I get it. It's calling him, oh, he's a woman. And you know what he likes to do as a woman? He likes to fuck rats. And the way that he fucks rats, it's not about like putting rat penis in her. It's like sticking it actually and using it as a rat fucking dildo. What does he do? Does he like kill the rat and then freeze dry the fucking rat? Puts it frozen in the freezer so that way that it can fucking have some type of like slip and slide as the ice melts? Like, I don't know. It's it's such an odd fucking curse at somebody and to call somebody that. And then, of course, he calls him a see you next Tuesday, which is a word that I refuse to say. So you're never going to hear that from me as, as much as I try. Um, but and he just keeps saying it. And that's where I feel like some of the New Zealand and <laughs> influence is in this film, because that seems to be a rampant word in like certain areas of the world. And I believe that's one of them. But it's just like again and again and again. He keeps just calling them. He's like, don't call me that. Like he can't really accept the fact that him and his father can't be like good with each other. That the fact that the father, you know what? The father could just be a fucking dick and that's all he fucking is. And that's exactly what he is. His father is an asshole. He's a stupid idiot. Whatever you want to call him, that's exactly what he is. And here we've got him like freaking out completely and utterly freaking out to the point that he's got to sit on the couch and he's got to use like some type of like namaste bullshit to get him like set and right because the automatic thing that he thinks he's like oh you know and the thing is which which drives me fucking crazy about this he's like oh you would go out there and, and it's fucking hilarious at the same time and you try to leave right now and he's like basically telling him you're too much of a pussy to go out there and you would just die in the forest and all they would find is just skeletal remains and a rat in your pelvic region which I think is so goddamn good. Like, it made me laugh out loud for one, but at the same time, it kind of pissed me off because I'm like, why? He managed to get from the fucking bus stop all the way to where your fucking house is without any problems. Didn't get lost. I don't know how he found the house, by the way. What is He doesn't have a GPS. He doesn't have a path to go along. There isn't any type of roads that we see. The bus just drops in the middle of fucking forest and says fucking walk. That's it. It, it, I don't see any roads. And if there is one, which I assume there is some type of path with what happens after this, he wouldn't be lost in the fucking forest. He would know how to get fucking out of there because he knew how to get there. And why isn't there something that, like, can take him, like, that way? Maybe there's, like, an ATV you have in the house that nobody fucking knows about and he's going to get it. And then he's just going to drive off and he's going to go save himself. I like the visual, but at the same time, kind of like, he got there. He should be able to get himself fucking out without any problems. He just needs to worry about packing his little, you know, 
serial killer kit that he brought with him and and read the shit that's there. So at the end of everything, after all this screaming and yelling, he, and he comes back with a fucking meat cleaver, which is what you see in, in the fucking trailer. And we get the line of the movie, you know, the name of the movie, Come to Daddy. Uh, and he goes to attack him, and then he has a heart attack and dies. So he's not playing a joke on him at all. The dad is fucking dead. And this is what surprised the living shit out of me. This is one of the things. And then there's another one that comes on a little later. But right now I'm just like, where did this movie go? Now where's it going to go? Like, you, the first 20 minutes of the movie, you've now killed the dad. What, what are we doing now? Like, how are we going to go from here? And it gets a little weird for a little while. And then the new things start to where we get some more stuff. So, all right, that's the trailer. Is everything that leads up to the dad's death. So you don't even know that this happens. Now the little weird scenes that are in there, the little flashes towards the end of the trailer, now what do they mean? Where What's going to go on with the Asian guy? What's up with the hole? What's up with like the weird red lighting that they do in a couple of the scenes? I really don't know. And I'm now I'm kind of excited to see where this movie's going to go because honestly the first 20 the first act is doesn't really pick up to the end here. And it's an interesting study just on like the fact of, of abandonment, right? Between him and the father, the father brings him out, won't tell him why he's there, and he really wants to know why he was abandoned as a kid, and he's not able to get that answer. And who knows when he's going to, or if he's going to. Is he going to learn more about his dad's life at this point? I don't know. But we got to continue on with what's going on in the movie. So the first thing that he does is he calls his mom and basically tells her, Hey, dad's dead. <laughs> and the mom, I guess, on the other side says, okay, well, I'll be there on Friday. And he's like, okay, I can wait out till Friday. I'll just call the cops now. And I was screaming. I was like, why wouldn't you call the fucking cops, like, right away? Okay, well, at least you did. But you called your mom before you called the cops, what, to maybe clear up what's going on and how everything happened? But who knows? So the next morning, I guess... As the dad is there, it seems like it's a day, but I don't think it actually is the next morning. I think it's more towards like the afternoon of everything that's going on. That's where we get the a weird scene with the police officer that takes notes and talks about Norval's eyes and his father's eyes. And there wasn't any like uh, struggle and stuff? No. Like I said, he, he seemed fine. And, and he said his chest hurt. He fell down. Do you promise you're telling me the truth? No. You can't just nod. You gotta say it out loud. I promise I'm telling the truth. You know something? I believe you. You don't have raisin ass. What? Yeah, I'm kinda breaking the fourth wall here, but uh, I got this theory. Bad guys have eyes that look like raisins. You know, small and dark, you know? But you don't have raisin eyes. No, I, I don't. Oof. Tell you something, though. Your daddy, he did have raisin eyes. 
just my hallucinations on the subject of bad guys in their eyes. Yeah, coroner will take it from here. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about your dad and stuff, you know. Take it easy, I guess. Drink lots of water. I can burp on command if that might cheer you up. No, that, that's okay. I... All right, so when did JD come back to the fucking podcast? I thought he wasn't coming back until we did Starship Troopers. Oh, well. So, I really like the cop. I like the guy that plays him. I wish he's in it more. This is it. He is only in this fucking scene. And I think that it's it's a very poignant scene to the way the rest of the movie is going to go. And especially when he says that, you know, he has this... It's not a theory, it's a hallucination, which is weird. It's weird wording to put into this. But he basically is like, I have these thoughts that people that have raisin eyes, so Rick and Morty eyes, I guess that's the way I kind of think about it, they're the guys that are evil, and he doesn't have them. But he looks like a fucking hipster serial killer. Like he could turn at any fucking moment and he's going to just beat up the cop or something like that. And we saw that kind of like glimpse of anger when he was going after his father and telling him, you know, fuck you. You know, you fucking abandoned me. Like we could see it. And maybe there's a legacy of evil that's going to suddenly come up or whatever is going to do. So again, I'm still wondering, where are we going with this movie? This is really weird. And why do we have these weird little conversations? And especially he's feeling bad. So he's like, hey, I can burp on command <laughs> to make you feel better. Oh, okay. Like, how is that going to work? How is that going to make anybody feel better? You're just going to burp in their face and you just, you know, uh, I'm not the best with burping on command. Uh, but it's just, it's funny. It's really random. And again, it's one of those scenes where I laugh at, but I'm not sure why this is even in it. It, it just makes for more awkwardness. So then he talks to the corner and he says, you know what? I don't know if I actually really like the guy. And she's just basically like, well, he's dead. You know, so maybe that makes you feel better. And he's like, no. And she's like, oh, well, I'm really sorry. So she takes him out of the house and then explains to him exactly what they're going to be doing with the body. So I'm going to take him away, embalm him, drain the blood from his body, inject him with a preservative so he doesn't go off, and then bring him back here. What? Oh, there's a storage issue in town at the moment from the flooding. Did you hear about that? No. He'll need to be here while your family make arrangements. He'll be in a black bag. You won't have to look at him. Has anybody ever told you... Told me what? You have kind eyes. No. No one's ever said that to me. Never? Not that I remember. Well, you do. They're... Big in their kind. The, the, the cop who came told me I, I didn't have raisin eyes. What are raisin eyes? Fucking idiot. Raisin eyes? I know. If you have any questions, just call me. Thanks. So she gives him her card, and she has, again, a weird last name, which is Klondickle. I'm not sure what exactly Klondickle is, but it's such an, an odd fucking name for a person. Again, it's going along the lines of odd names for characters in this movie. So there's this weird kind of like, 
I don't know, I don't want to say like sexual tension going on between them, but it kind of feels like she's attracted to him in some way, shape, or form. It's just, I don't know. It, it, you kind of get a weird vibe of what's going on. So we find out that Dad is not going to be gone for the entire time. Dad is actually going to be, you know, <laughs> back at the house, you know, because there's way too many people at the morgue because everything has been flooded i guess like nothing really weird has happened with the weather i'm not sure why all of a sudden now we're talking about flooding but it could be that the you know maybe some water broke or whatever is going down over there so he goes back into the house and he starts looking at everything kind of around and he kind of starts like getting dressed and getting changed for the rest of the day and he kind of dresses like his dad and it's really weird like he looks through his dad's stuff and he eventually picks on something to wear which is odd like i said not because he's dressing like his dad but his dad has really only wore one thing he just wore that weird blue hawaiian shirt the entire time and never really changed out of anything else so you know, eventually, a little later on, the morgue lady, she comes back, the coroner, and she kind of, you know, wants to make sure that Norval's okay and sees if he's holding up well. How are you holding up? I'm fine. I never really knew him. So it's hard to feel sad. Sad enough to actually cry real emotional tears. But he is my dad, so I feel something. I just don't know what. It does get easier. Yeah. Look, I, uh, I better get back to the office. Yeah. This might sound really weird, but you should talk to him. What? It helps, you know? When my husband died, I remember just yapping on to him for an hour. All the things I wanted to say when he was was here. I'm sure there's things you want to say to your dad, too. Not that it's any of my business. Tell me to shut up if you want. No, it's okay, really. I have no filter. I like it. Are you going to be okay here? I hope so. Yeah, definitely. When your mom gets here, we'll make further arrangements. Take care, Norval. Why can't Norval just be a normal fucking person? Like, he just has to be super weird and super awkward the entire time. But again, it's also part of the charm, I think, for the character, if you like any of that type of stuff. It's just, it makes everything, like I said, super, like, cringy every time that he tries to be, like, somewhat reflective or something upon another person. Like, here... There's kind of a weird tension between the two, and I'm not sure which way it goes. Whether it's, like, Norval towards her, or her towards Norval. But I think she's just kind of trying to be kind and nice to him, even though she's a little bit forthright with what she's trying to say. And basically that, look, you know, maybe you just need to talk to him, because that helped her out 
when her husband died, she just went in there and she talked to her husband and made sure that everything that she needed to get off of her chest, she was able to get off her chest, which is actually pretty good advice maybe for some people maybe that might be the way to work or maybe for other people it's just that you need to reflect upon your own you need to do what you need to do to get past the fact that somebody close to you died but he's not close to him at all like he's been gone almost all his life and all of a sudden here he is tried to kill him which again he's not telling anybody that that happened and that would be something of note i think to either of these two characters that's only in the film for a little bit of time to kind of just get closure on that type of like portion of your life that look we didn't get along my dad tried to kill him like it's weird so they put him back in his own bed and again you know he kind of looks at the body he does open it up and he notices that there's something on the side of his neck that says r.i.p ryan and then he kind of zips everything up and then he goes to bed for the night and as day turns to night all of a sudden you start hearing pounding from below the house and so now i've got this thing where it's kind of like a telltale heart situation right that's where i'm hoping now it's going like if there's going to be grief because he caused his father's death at least that's what he's going to believe that he did right he's the reason why and he already hates himself quite a bit especially with the whole you know i tried to kill myself i'm trying to make myself feel bad you know it's not like a serious like, it's more of like a cry for help, hate yourself. Like, everything sucks. Everything's wrong with my life. What the hell? Like, nothing is working out right. I just wanted this to go so well between my dad and I. And then, look, he died. Of course, I can't get anything right. You know, and he gets that first night. And he just, he can't stand the noises. And he thinks that they're coming from his father. But he's not quite sure. And then he's able to sleep through the night. In the morning, he's woken up, and he's outside, and he's inside the bath. And it's weird that they've got, like, that weird type of claw bath outside where there's really no faucet or anything, just sitting out in the middle of nowhere, and he just washes himself up in, in it. And he does it earlier, too, when he hears his dad again talking to somebody else, but he doesn't know whether or not at that point it was his dad actually talking to somebody or, you know, if he's just being crazy or whatever it is. And so he's out there once again, and he's listening to the whole thing, and he's reading a book, and it's called The Celestine Prophecy. And it's one of the books that I mentioned earlier where he's got, like, a bunch of new age self-help type of books that he's got there and this was actually written in 1993 by james redfield and it discusses various psychological and spiritual ideals rooted in multiple ancient eastern traditions and new age spirituality the main character itself he t undertakes a journey to find and understand a series of nine spiritual insights in an ancient man manuscript in peru Ooh. Sounds exciting. Maybe he's going to find out about all the damn different guinea pigs that are down there that are trying to rule the fucking world. That's right. Go look. Google that shit. It's real. Uh, <laughs> and he's just like reading it and he would do what I'd fucking do with that type of book and fucking tosses it. I don't know. It's just I've never been into like the, you know, spiritual journey type of things. I kind of like when characters like find themselves, but always through trials and tribulations, something that puts them out there that, you know, they have to go through because they're either coming back home to something really creepy or they're coming back and they're surviving some type of crazy ordeal. I, I like that type of like character growth not necessarily oh i'm gonna learn about the ancient eastern philosophy of you know basket weaving and that's gonna provide me with the the spiritual insight that i need to be a better person 
So, but that's just me. And so he just like, he can't take whatever is going on. Cause he never got his fucking answer. Never got his answer of why his dad brought him here. And that seems to be eating him apart at this point to the fact that he thinks that he's hearing noises at night and he thinks that his dad's doing it. And so again, he starts to hear the noise and he decides that, you know what? I can't take this anymore. And he decides to drink some of his dad's wine. And he's like, you know what this is going to do? This is going to quell the voices that are happening inside my head and all the sounds that I'm hearing like they're in this house, but they're not really here. So I'm going to fucking drink. And what does he do? He gets fucking plastered. And so he plays music loud. He dances around there. I guess he has a spiritual awakening through alcohol because everything seems to be going his way until he does the most major fail thing that he's done yet in this movie. I'm not listening! Gladys. Yes, who is this? Guess. Mr. Greenwood? Bingo. Is there a problem with you? There's father? a lot of problems with my father. But that's not why I'm calling. What can I do for you? Good question. I need you to come over. Mr. Greenwood? Don't think. Just come over. We had something. No, we didn't. I know you felt it, too. No, I didn't. We owe it to ourselves to explore this. The smartest thing you can do right now is jump in your car and... Please. Please, please just come over. No. I, I, I can't be here alone. We, we could just sleep together. No. Just just next to each other. No. Fully, fully clothed if you wanted. I, 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 just, I just need you here. Hello? No, 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 please, 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 please don't go. Please outside of office hours. Goodbye, Mr. Greenwood. Fuck! So, you thought that you were going to be able to get some, and guess what? You fucking failed. That's it. She wasn't interested in that, and honestly, I get it with this type of character. Automatically, he thinks that somebody's interested in him when, you know, and I understand this is a lot of with the booze talking and the fact that he's drunk and he's letting his inhibitions go in the whole situation. But just because somebody's being nice and pleasant with him and trying to help him through a hard time, he automatically thinks, hey, she wants to fucking bang me. Like, and that's not the case. It is set up relatively well, though. I will admit it. Like, because that was my initial thought, too, that she really wanted to bang him at the same time. But it was more about being, like, kind to him. And the fact that somebody he barely knows just fucking croaked and she wants to help him out. So she's helping him out, but not helping him out in that way. So he gets pissed off. And he, again, is getting overwhelmed by the banging that he's hearing from coming from underneath the house. And he basically runs over to his dad's room and begins, well, calling him a see you next Tuesday as well. Are you doing this? Are you? You think it's funny? Fuck you. You're a coward. That's all you are. A dried up, dead, leathery coward. I'm glad you're dead. You disappeared when I was a kid, and then you try and kill me? 
And now you're fucking with me from beyond the grave? Are you? I wouldn't be surprised. You think I'm a cunt? <laughs> That's hilarious. You're the cunt here. So fuck you. You hear me? Fuck you. Fuck you. Cunt. So he really breaks down and it's quite a sad scene that we've got going on here because he's still not able to deal with the fact that his dad's dead and he's not able to get that like clarity that he needed and really the noise is just growing and I'm really hoping that the direction the movie is going to go is what I'm expecting. He's just dealing with death. Is this really about death and closure and not being able to actually get to that point and maybe discovering things about his dad that he just never knew and he's got to figure out how to get away with the guilt and also the frustration that he has that his dad never told him why he wanted him there. And it's it's interesting. And so far, I'm I'm into the movie, okay? I I am. And it's it's a little bit slower than maybe I wanted it to be, and it's not exactly where I was, you know, expecting it to go, but it's changed a little bit, and it's doing something a little bit different. And I kind of like it, because I like the way that Elijah Wood is portraying this character. It's fun just watching him. Where the movie's going, I still don't know, because we're not yet at Act 3. We're still in the middle of Act 2 as we go here. So he falls asleep on the bed, and before he does, he does tell his dad, he's like, I'm going to tell you something, but it's going to make me seem like a bad person. And then it cuts off, and then it goes away. And we go to the next morning, and we hear some more noises going on. And he's just like, wait, those noises, like... They, they're they not going away with whatever it is. And he's kind of looking around the house. And eventually, he finds a, a photo album in the wall. And he begins to look at it. And he realizes that, wait, those pictures that are in there, they're not of, you know, of, of my dad. They're somebody else. And as he keeps flipping through it, and eventually he sees pictures of his mom sees pictures of his mom with this guy. And he sees pictures of him as a little kid with the guy in the photo album who does not look like his dad. And he begins to freak the fuck out. As I would too, right? So here comes the next big, big fucking twist of this movie in that the guy that died is not his dad at all. Who the hell is he? We don't know. And neither does he, and he's freaking the fuck out. So he starts hearing the the, the pounding again. And he begins to look around the, the living room area, the part that he says it looks like a UFO. And he eventually moves the table, and that's where we discover the manhole that leads underneath the house. And it's like, what the hell is going on? Who could this possibly be? And we go downstairs... 
and he basically takes a flashlight and this is where like the red room is besides the red colors that are kind of going on in in the night scenes but this is where everything's like little literally like reddish in tone as he's walking through with his flashlight and he's trying to find in and eventually he runs upon somebody and who could that possibly be well it turns out that the person that he runs to downstairs is his father He has been chained up and is being tortured. And then all of a sudden, somebody else starts coming in. So he tells him, you know, he tells his son, hey, you need to go hide. And you need to make sure that, you know, this guy that's going to come down here, this guy Jethro, he's going to come and he's going to try to attack me and you're going to need to kill him. And, you know, there's no way that Norval could even possibly do this. He's like, I can't. I just, there's no way. I can't kill this guy. He's like, you're going to have to because you're going to need to save my fucking life. You're going to have to come out here and you're going to have to kill this guy. And he runs into the closet and he goes and hides. And that's where we get to meet Jethro for the first time. And again, this is, this is an interesting, like, antagonist here. It really is. Just, I like the way that he's portrayed as well. And he's probably my second favorite character in this movie. I said, hang up, Brian. Huh? Looking good. Feeling good, huh? (laughs) Betty, this. (laughs) This, Brian. (laughs) This is a pan. Not just any pan. It's a pan smeared in excrement. My excrement. <laughs> excrement is a scientific word for poo. It's excrement, not extra. I'm going to stab you with this pen, Brian. And obviously it's going to hurt. But then the science kicks in. So the excrement that's on the pen is going to go into your wound and it's going to give you an infection that's going to kill you. If you don't get help quickly. What is that for a ticking clock, Brian? <laughs> is that for excitement, Brian? Are you excited? Because I'm excited, Brian. Now, why don't you tell me what I want to know? And when this is all over, I'll get you to the hospital. I already told Gordon everything. It's gone. All of it. <laughs> Shall I tell you how I know you're lying? Oh. Because when you said that, you looked up to your left. Oh. And that's the number one indication when somebody's lying to you. <laughs> yeah. I know these things because I've read articles on body language. Now, this is difficult for me, too. So what do you say? Let me just get this over and done with as quickly as possible, shall we? Uh, shall we? No. Here comes your money. No, no, no. And that's when he stabs him with the poo pen. Uh, it, it's such an interesting reveal at this point. And now I am totally 
what the fuck is going on. Because I have no idea where this movie now has gone. So, we went from, here's a guy that has daddy issues. And he's come to daddy to visit and to actually clear up a lot of things. And he wants to tell his father something too. And that we know that is eating at him. And we don't know what it is. Will we find out? I'm, again, I'm hoping. Because I'm also hoping we find out why was the letter written. Why did the dad want him to come? We still don't know. And I hope that we find that out at some point in this goddamn movie. Because that would piss me off if we don't figure out why was he invited there at all. And now we've got this, right? We've got this whole situation that's going on here with his father that is really alive. The guy upstairs had no relation to him whatsoever. Who is this guy? Thankfully, we're going to find out in just a moment after everything is done. But now we've got this other guy, Jethro here, that has a fucking pen covered in shit. That he's going to stab into Brian, Norval's father, and infect him. And of course, once he gets fucking stabbed, he calls out and he says, You've got to get him. Go kill him now. And he takes the weight that he picked up and he tries to attack Jethro, but he fucking fails. And he fails miserably to the fact that Jethro just leaves them and it's left to keep both Brian and his father there basically trapped underneath. And he's got to get Norval to basically uh, break him out of this place. So... Before we get on with, you know, the rest of what's going on, it's just such a weird twist. Again, it's like I'm watching a good M. Night Shyamalan movie where I didn't expect anything to fucking happen, right? I wasn't sure where we were going with these things. I really thought I was actually hoping for like a telltale heart type of situation, except that, you know, he didn't kill anybody, but he was going to be wrought by the guilt. And that was going to bring things like we're going to have zombie dad and, you know, he was going to come to terms with everything, but he had to go through a lot of like psychological trauma that was going to fix everything. And that's not where we went, you know. In the beginning, I thought it was just dad's crazy and he's going to have to survive his time with dad. That's not where we went. We have now gone into, oh, dad is not dad. Dad is downstairs, beaten to a bloody pulp, chained up to the fucking walls, and he just had a poop pen plunged into his body. So, and then here's the true villain of the fucking movie coming in. Fucking Jethro doing his shit. And so as they're... Quite literally. Uh, and so as they're downstairs... And basically he's got to do a little bit of a father-son bonding... And helping Norval basically break him out of the chains. Oh, no. No, 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 What happened to the man was up there? He tried to stab me. But then he had a heart attack. He... He died. Good. I'll be back. I'll be back with a little friend that I want you both to meet. My guess is his little friend is Dandy. Who's Dandy? The hunchback. The what? You have to release me. You ever picked a lock before? Once, in school. What happened? I didn't get it unlocked. But I, I found the key in my bag, so it was okay. Oh. Uh, smash the city pen. 
So he's got to smash the shitty pin and he's got to use it to unlock him. So Gordon is the guy that was upstairs. And it's funny because, you know, Brian here, he starts laughing like, oh, (laughs) good. Like he's dead and he just died of a heart attack. That's not anything that Norval did. So Norval at least can, you know, breathe a sigh of relief that if he killed anybody, he killed somebody that was a bad guy. Supposedly, at least keeping his dad down here downstairs. And there's a little bit of a bonding that goes on when he tries to teach him exactly how to unlock the lock. But at the same time, we get to learn exactly um, what his dad has been doing. And <laughs> yeah, again, this is fucking crazy. Who was that man? His name is Jethro. He's my best friend. Well, then why is he stabbing you with poop pens and chaining you up in your basement? He has his reasons. After I left your mom... I ended up living in Bangkok. Me, Jethro, Gordon, who you've met, and Dandy, we were misbehaving in a small-time fashion until we decided to do one last score, sail off into the sunset, all that. What'd you do? Oh, we kidnapped the daughter of Thailand's richest man. We were supposed to split the Ransom between us, but I stole one. I ripped my best friends off. Understandably, they want their share. They think I have it stashed somewhere. Fact is, it's all gone. Every last cent. Where? You ever stop for a moment and wonder why you grew up in a Beverly Hills mansion with an unemployed mother? My entire life has been funded by... A kidnapping. (laughs) Yeah. This is a goddamn bombshell for this movie. Where did we fucking go? What? So, the whole thing... That everything that he's ever known has been funded by his dad's life of crime. And dad is a huge fucking criminal because he kidnapped the daughters of the wealthiest guy in Thailand and was successful at getting the ransom. And not only was he successful, he fucking ripped his friends off. What the fuck? Where did this movie go? This surprises the living shit out of me what is up with this movie and so what's happened is that his father is now stuck down in the basement and he's getting tortured because they want to know where the fucking money is because he fucked up and he stole it and didn't get away well enough or it's been on the run forever so he left his mom after she had the kid and basically funded her allowed her to live the like extravagant you know life that he's got and his mom had to have known and norval never fucking knew where the money was coming from it's it's so ridiculous i just i'm blown away i'm absolutely blown away by the big twist of this movie once again And this is the the final tonal shift of where the movie goes and how it goes. So they need to get him out of there. And the the lockpicking is just not working. It's not working at all. So 
he gives them the option to, uh, well, here, you, you can figure it out. And there's going to be some, uh, some difficult audio to listen to um, when you know exactly what he's doing. Sorry to change the subject, but this isn't working. You're going to have to dislocate my thumb, I'm afraid. What? You take my thumb and you bend it all the way back. Quickly. Come on. With the, the count of three, okay? All right. One, two, three, four. Just fucking do it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. Oh. Did that work? Oh, God. Jesus. Okay. Let's see what we can do. Right. That wasn't enough. You're going to have to try the index finger. What? Come on. No, I, I can't. Please. I abandoned you as a child. Consider this your revenge. Channel all that anger. Come on. And that's where he snaps his thumb as well. It's difficult for me to listen to that. I don't know about you guys. Like, I felt like it was like just the the fact that he like broke his fingers. Oh, oh, it's terrible. And so he goes and he breaks the next, he breaks his index finger and it still doesn't work. So he's dislocated his thumb. He's dislocated his index figure and neither one is going to allow him to fucking get out of this place. So what does he do? He looks and he sees that the chain is just loosely connected to something up above and to the wall. So he's able to do that. And they both look at each other like, oh, okay, maybe he didn't need to do that and could have just found the way out. So he's got poo in him. Uh, not in a good way either. Well, is there a good way to have poo in you? I get, I guess. Everybody's got poo in them, right? But you don't want poo into, like, your infected wounds, right? That's the worst place to have excrement. Uh, or excrement, as Jethro would say. And so, <laughs> they go upstairs, and he wants to give him, you know, he needs some water. And also, at the same time, uh, Norville here, he wants to go and use the restroom before they leave. But, uh, we find out that there's more missing on Brian's body than just, uh, having been beat up, a closed eye, uh, been stabbed with a poo pen, and now two dislocated fingers. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where the choice I would go with this as well. You're missing in here. You know that? Mm-hmm. I'm going to take it off. Should we go find it? They can sew it back on. Uh, not going to be possible, I'm afraid. Why not? It's just not, okay? Why? I hate it. You, you, you hate your own ear? He made me. He gave me a choice between my own ear or a shot glass of his semen. Like some kind of a Japanese game show or something. I chose the ear. He was starving me! But semen contains more protein and nutrients than an ear. The ears are just cardinal. Look! The scene was yellow, okay? I'm not defending my choice to you. Let's fucking go! <laughs> I fucking love that, too. <laughs> Again, this is another one of those fucking lines in this movie that cracks me the fuck up every time I hear it. <laughs> I just love that. Like, choice between my ear or semen. And then, you know, 
It's just like, I would pick the ear too. Don't get me fucking wrong. There's no way. It doesn't matter how fucking white that semen is. And this is just because I find it disgusting and I know it comes from me and whatever you want to say. Um, I ain't fucking drinking anybody. It doesn't matter if it's the purest fucking semen. It doesn't matter if the cure to fucking cancer is inside of it. It doesn't matter if it's going to win me, you know, $100 million. I'm going to be able to do this podcast full time and be done with it. I am not drinking that semen. Okay, maybe the cancer cure. Maybe that's the time I'm going to drink the fucking semen. But I ain't drinking that fucking semen. You can fucking write that down right now. I will fucking eat my ear before I do any of that shit. So, it's so disgusting. It was yellow. He's like, I'm not defending my choice to you. This is my fucking choice. And I totally agree with him, too. I wouldn't defend my choice either. Why do you, why do you care? Look, I chose my ear over semen. Let's just fucking go. And it's absolutely crazy that... Like, that's how far they went to torture the guy. And just to get him out, that he's got the money. And he's actually a pretty good guy. Not that being a criminal and kidnapping a daughter to get, you know, ransom money for it is a good guy. But he does care about his son and his wife because he hasn't given up because they would know where the money went and he would have went after them instead. So kill him. And they're not going to kill him, right? Because if they want to know where exactly the money is, why would they kill the father or the son well in this case at least you know brian why would they kill brian nobody should kill brian leave brian alone every brian most brians at least this brian but it's just absolutely nuts that he is is considered the good guy because he was you know he made sure that his family was taken care of and he made sure that they didn't know that he was the reason you know that they're the reason why there's absolutely no money so gordon's dead um and jethro has gone to go get some help and norval he decides i gotta take a piss before we leave and he's like fine he's like i have to go to the bathroom which one one or two one okay Go do it quick. And when he goes in the bathroom, that's where you see the Asian guy from earlier in the trailer. And that happens to be Dandy. And Dandy is taking a shit right there on the toilet. Sees uh, Norval and then begins to attack him. And as he attacks him, he has the toilet paper in his ass. So there's a toilet paper trail that's going through the whole fucking place. And there is this is a great fucking fight scene between dandy and norval norval gets the shit beat out of him but he does get the upper hand in a couple of cases but it's it's funny because of the toilet paper and how ridiculous it is that what norval uses to fight back is great but it's also very tension filled because there's not a whole lot of music it's mostly noise and it's mostly him getting thrown around and trying to get the right thing to fight him back till eventually good god how many movies in a row is this how many times do I gotta say, don't do something to somebody's dick? It's getting ridiculous. It's every fucking movie that I watch lately. And I thought I would be able to get away from this. It's not as bad as Blood Quantum. That's number fucking one. Number fucking one on the list. But this is a good number two, maybe number three. You don't stab a guy repeatedly with a fork in the dick. You just don't do it. Why? Why? I understand that he's trying to kill you, 
But he just goes to fucking town. Like, he's underneath him. He grabs, like, the... It looks almost like a barbecue fork. And he just keeps jabbing, jab, 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 jab. It goes on for, like, 30 seconds. And he's just obliterating that guy's cock and balls right there. To the point that he falls over. He's gonna bleed to death. He has no more use of his fucking dick. Just leave him there. But no, he's gotta take saran wrap, wrap it around Dandy's head, and then beat him to death with the fucking cardboard roll that's left over. How much power do you have there? Like, I can't believe that he's able to do it. And it's honestly quite a satisfying death scene. But why? You don't fork somebody in the dick. That's just another thing you don't fucking do. So, now that Dandy's dead, they gotta get the hell away from there. And they manage to get outside, but, uh, you know, Jethro still has something to do to them, too. My little friend, can't wait to meet you, you fucking wankstead! We have to get the fuck away from here. Wait, Dad, wait. I just realized something. What? Me and Mom's address is written on my luggage tag. If he finds it... Fuck. What do we do? You're gonna have to kill him. I'm not a murderer. You just killed somebody literally five minutes ago. I'd gladly kill the fucker myself, but look at me. If you don't go in there and kill him, we'll never be safe. You're part of this now. So how's your mother? He is a flaming crossbow. I have nothing. I wouldn't last a second. You hide in the trunk of his car. You follow him everywhere. And then, when he's alone, when he's vulnerable. Dandy! Not Dandy! You fucking killed Dandy too! Go! So, he's gonna go into the back of Jethro's car and hide in there until Jethro stops and then he can fucking kill him? Like, how ridiculous does this sound? And this movie has just gone off the fucking rails. We start very kind of heartfelt and feeling for Norval. And I still feel for Norval, especially in this situation as well. Because, hey, what what has he done? Like, he's had everything so hard. He hasn't had that hard of a life. And for him to find out that his life was basically sponsored by the fact that his dad is a fucking criminal. And all the money came from kidnapping somebody. But at the same time, like, he feels that being without a dad has really shaped him and really has affected his psyche and he hasn't really been able to, you know, live a normal life. But he is a pampered kid at the same time, living in fucking Beverly Hills. He's able to be, what well, we don't know, artist or DJ. At least that's what he put down on the fucking coroner report. He just put down artist. Like, when he was talking about being a DJ, what the fuck is he? Like, I bet you he doesn't do anything. I bet you he just sits at home with mom. They use whatever money they've got. And that happens to be all the money that was fucking swindled from this fucking ransom that went on. But nonetheless, I still feel for the character, right? Because he didn't ask to be thrown into this. But this is the life that his father fucking led. And now he wrong guys. Guys have been torturing him. Guys need to be killed. Instead of getting into that trunk and worrying about being shot with a crossbow, you know, just... 
go fucking solid snake on their ass. Okay? Just go in there. Stealth motherfucker, have you heard of it? You just get in there and you make sure you take them out before you get taken out. It's that fucking simple. I mean, come on. You know, I could do it. No, I can't. There's no fucking way that I could do this type of shit. Why the fuck am I talking like it's so fucking easy? Because I understand, it's not. But really, do you want to go in the back of a car? But he really, honestly, doesn't have any choice. He needs to go do this. And why does he need to go do this? Because he's probably going to go kill his fucking mom. And then he's going to kill him once he tries to stop him from killing his fucking mom. So, dad can't do anything. You need to do that now. And you're going to jump in the back of the car. So they jumps in the trunk, and then we hear, you know, that they're, you know, basically, again, it's kind of muffled in the way they do some of these distance things, but Jethro basically says, hey, you're at this address, I'm coming to get your mom, and then I'm coming to kill you, and then he jumps in the car, well, he blows out the crossbow, by the way, and then drives to a hotel that's nearby. He exits the hotel, well, or the car, to go into the hotel, and on the way there, he calls Precious, who happens to you know, be, be a prostitute, that's going to service whatever he needs to have done. And, uh, you know, she's going to show up there in just a moment, and, and Norval's going to get out of the car, and he goes, and I remember being like, go get that damn crossbow. Before you do anything, get the fucking crossbow. I also wondered how he was going to get out of the trunk. So I guess there's got to be some type of, like, safety feature that if you get locked in the trunk, that you can open it up as long as the trunk is unlocked. Now, if it was up to me and I was Jethro, I would make sure to lock the trunk. And why wouldn't you put the crossbow that you took out of the trunk and lit and not put it back in the trunk? Like, you... It's perfect, like, deus ex machina for, for this. I don't know, maybe that's not the word that I want to use because it's not really saving anything. But it's perfect, like, coincidence. Maybe that's the word I'm actually looking for. That he decides not to put the crossbow back where he found it and puts it in the front seat and then just drives along. Unless, of course, he knew that he was back there and he just wants to get at him. So when Norville goes and grabs the crossbow from the front seat, to which Jethro also does not lock the car, again don't get it and maybe you're in such a random area that i i guess maybe it makes sense but he goes out he grabs the crossbow and as he's gonna go hunt him some jethro the crossbow of course fires off and it shoots the arrow in the distance so he's got no more arrows he gets up to the hotel room and he runs into precious and he basically tells her hey i will give you three times the amount that he's going to give you and so that you just leave the door open after you're done so that basically I can take him out. And she's like, fuck you, I'm not a fucking prostitute. You know, and then she goes inside the room and he runs away. He goes to the, basically the, the like hotel or motel office. These are weird because I've never experienced motels like this where it's like off the side of the road and every one of the single, um, you know, rooms are outside and you basically are they're almost like little cabins and it's just a little set and you got some more down the road stuff like that i've never experienced motels like that it's always been like in the middle of a city multiple layers things like that um so he goes over there and he tries to talk to the guy because he's like look i want to get a room here and he's like you can't because there's a geology conference and those people are fucking freaks, man. They fuck all the time. I'm not fucking making things up here. That's exactly what he fucking tells him. And so he leaves for a second because he can't get it because he's like, look, I got a family unit that's down the way. He's like, I need one here. He's like, great. You need one here. I got no vacancy. It's down the way. 
So he leaves and he sees one of the cars and on the license plate of the car it says Jugs. And so he like now formulates a plan to go back in there so he can get the keys to all the rooms so that it, hopefully he can go after Jethro. Hey. Yes. I thought I might let you know there's a suspicious woman lingering by a car out there. A suspicious woman. Trust me. Yeah, she's legit. Okay, so you're clearly some kind of sex freak. But I am intrigued, I'm not going to lie. I'm serious. Incredible body. All right, full disclosure, I'm going to put all my cards on the table. I'm what's known in medical circles as a titty-holic, all right? So naturally, my next question to you is... Let me stop you right there and say that if this woman were shopping for bras, she'd be found in the area designated Double D. Okay, well, sir, I will just be right back. Give me a minute. I'll go and investigate. We'll get to the bottom of this. All right. So he is a titty-holic. In fact, I think a lot of us are. Um, or you could be a buttaholic, I guess, or an assholic. Would that be the better way to go? Would you rather be a boobholic or a tittyholic? I think tittyholic is kind of a better like term for that whole thing. Of course, you could also be a dickholic, too. Uh, you know, buttholeholic. That one doesn't really roll off the tongue as well. But nonetheless, he goes out to check out whatever titties are in the wild. And it's actually kind of interesting to see him like do it that way. And it's weird, too, because Norval has kind of changed in these little bit, like these little scenes after killing a guy. Like he's kind of growing up a little bit and he's being forced to do something that he doesn't really want to do. But he has like he wants to make sure that every. But he survives like he cares a lot about his mom and doesn't want her to die he doesn't want Jethro so he's got to do what he's got to do which is kill Jethro I do like the fact too that the father is like you just killed somebody like two minutes ago and he's just like oh oh yeah I did I guess I can kill Jethro then so he goes and he grabs the keys, the master keys, because the guy just happened to leave them there. And then also grabs, like, the little spindle that you put all the, like, notes on when people have signed off on, on the rooms and the charges. And he takes those and takes throws them all on the ground. And he goes over to Jethro's car and he makes sure to pop all of Jethro's tires using that little spindle. Then he tries to break into Jethro's room and he decides that's not the way to go. But what he does see is he sees that there's one of those doors in between the rooms that if you had like kids or something like that, you could actually go in between the rooms. But normally you would keep it locked. And But since he has the master keys, he's able to unlock those doors and then he can totally like stealth in there and kill Jethro without him actually knowing that he's in the room. So he opens up the room that's next to him and he sees that there are actually three geologists that are passed out on the bed and they are naked as fuck. It's ridiculous. There's Wang right in your fucking face as along with some <laughs> the lady's crotch and a couple asses that are all over the place. Uh, and those geologists, I guess they really do know how to get down. He tries to be really quiet and sneaky and getting in there, but he ends up fucking up and turns on the TV where it starts playing porn real loud and the geologists start yelling at him and they start yelling at him like Russian. And that's what I think the language is. It could be something completely different, but they're basically telling him to get out of them, get out of their place. And eventually he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. And he stumbles into the room where uh, Jethro and Precious are. And, well, poor Novel, he kind of gets fucked up. What did I say? 
This is private business. Now fuck off! Uh, listen, Precious, my fight isn't with you. Agree to disagree. Hold them tight for me, Precious. You are going to die here. And I'm going to L.A. So do you have any message for your mommy? <laughs> I'm going to specifically tell her that you don't love her. Squeeze the life clean out of him. I watched you. David, David, Sam. Do you know something? Saw this fucking sad sack situation. I'm out of here like Vladimir. You are a cold-blooded psychopath. I'm a psychopath. You're a muscle-bound prosy who gets lonely men into headlocks for cash. And let me tell you something else, sweetheart. There's been this invention called deodorant. You should try it sometime. All right? I really love how Jethro just thinks that his insults are, like, the best things ever. Like, the fact that he's like, I'm going to tell your mother that you don't love her. Like, when he says that, we got any last words, tell mom I love her. It's just like, he thinks that's such a great fucking comeback. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be opposite, man, of everything that you say. And then when she's like, you're a psycho. Well, you're the one that killed him. She didn't kill him. Like, he's like totally like taking away blame. And he's making sure that the people, the geologists over there, they know I didn't do it. And even though he's the one that like stabbed him a bunch of times, but she did hold him down. So she is partially responsible for his death. And then he does stab him right in the fucking cheek with that thing. And it's just like hanging out the side of his face. And it's so ridiculous. Uh, and I'm just like, he clumps down and it's poor Norval, man. And just the little bitterness, too, between him and Precious telling her that she needs deodorant because he's got to enjoy being put into a headlock, right? That's got to get him off, too. Doesn't make any sense. And he's just like, oh, you get off on putting, you know, lonely men into headlocks. Isn't that what you wanted? Like, it's weird. Like, why are you, you're just trying to, like, turn around blame onto somebody else because you have these weird things that are wrong with you, and you're a fucking asshole at the same time. So, hey, whatever gets floats your boat, whatever you gotta do to make yourself feel better, I guess that's what you do. 
So he gets out, he goes into his car, he starts it up, and he starts entering in the mom's address on his GPS while singing a song about how he's going to go down to Beverly Hills and he's going to beat the shit out of her. He looks around too because he sees all the papers on the ground and he's like, huh, that's weird. But he doesn't notice that none of his tires have any fucking air in them and that they're all basically punctured at the same time. So he takes off. Norval wakens up and he starts walking outside and that's where you hear the crash because Jethro lost control and crashed into something because all of his tires basically had no air in him after Norval had already punctured them. Norval walks down the road and eventually gets to the car and we see that the sign has completely like smashed into the car because he ran into the hotel like or motel's you know road sign that was out there. Jethro is walking down the street, and he is missing a big portion of his skull. It's pretty disgusting. It's pretty bloody. But we do get some encouraging last words from Jethro before Norval takes the little thing from his mouth and then just slowly slides it into his exposed brain, killing Norval and ending his reign of terror. Listen very carefully, Norval. This is very important. So it's vital that you listen carefully, right? Your mother is a prostitute. That's how your father met her. He was a frequent flyer. You think her name is Jacqueline, but her real name is Annie. I fucked her. I fucked her in an abandoned factory, to be precise. But I lost my erection because from certain angles she reminded me of Michael Heseltine. Michael Heseltine, if you're wondering, is a British politician from the 1980s. Okay, so there's two bombshells that get dropped here. The fact that you know, Michael Hesitson or whatever the fuck his name is, is a British politician. I'm sure that Neil will probably tell me exactly who he is if he remembers him at all. Um, and then his mother was a hoe. Basically, he's always saying is that your mother was a hoe. I fucked her, but couldn't complete because at certain angles, she looked like a dude. And that made my willy soft. Um, what? <laughs> like, this is the thing that you need to tell your, your you know, your your uh, rival's son that hey <laughs> your mother smelled of elderberries and your father was a whore um <laughs> i guess or maybe your father smelled of elderberries and your mother was a whore i guess is kind of where we're going with this situation here so now jethro is dead and you know he's left he's got the hole in his face he's got some holes in his stomach like, that thing couldn't have done much damage. I mean, it got a couple stabs in him, but I don't think that he really was dealt enough to be, like, the killing blow. It's just going to hurt for a little while where he was stabbed in his stomach. And I mean, the stab in the face is more a stab to his, like, ego than anything else. But I really do like the way that he just kind of takes it out of his cheek, and then he just lifts it up, looks at it, looks at Jethro, and then slowly slides it into his brain, and Jethro just goes, oh! And then falls over and dies. And it's an apropos death, I think, for that character. So he's there. He's now walked over to the gas station. And he's pulled out the letter that his father wrote to him 
what, basically to get him there. And we finally get to hear exactly what it says as he walks back to where his father is. Dear son, it's me, your dad. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's fair to say I've not been the world's best father. In fact, if someone were to accuse me of being a shit excuse for one, well, I wouldn't have much of a defense, would I? But I want that to change. Maybe you'd rather shit a razor blade than have your old man back in your life. But if not, here's where you can find me. I hope to see you soon, son. And I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive your old man. With love, always, your father. So he walks down, finally gets back where he was. Again, you know, Gordon was completely wrong because he was able to find his way back from where the motel was all the way back to where his father now is on the beach and was able to find the father. So I'm pretty sure that he would have been able to survive and he would not have had a rat in his pelvis at the time. So he sits down next to his dad. It's very somber at this point because his dad basically is not doing well. He's had that poop hen inserted into him. So he's got fecal matter floating all over his body, probably causing some type of really nasty infection. And he's been waiting for his son to come back. So he looks over at him. They look out into the ocean. They're sitting there. And you get kind of an interesting ending to this film. And the thing is, is I hope that at this point in the movie, we're going to figure out why in the fuck did he invite him to do all this stuff? Because everything has just gone so fucking screwy. We kind of get a little bit from the message, right? He's just, I think it really is to that point that, look, hey son, I, I know you probably don't like me and you'd rather take a razor to yourself, basically saying you'd rather kill yourself than come out and see me, but I hope that you come out and see me because I want to be your father. And like, maybe it is because he's finally getting towards the end of his life. He thinks that his son should finally really know who he is. He wants to connect with his son because he's missed him after so long. And that's it. But Norval can't take that as an answer. He needs to know. He needs to get that reason. Why did you invite me to do this letter? Especially since everything turned out way crazier than it needed to me. I mean, we went from... Just daddy issues to daddy's dead and I didn't get my closing remarks issues to holy shit, I've got a criminal father who's being tortured underneath my fucking house issues to now I've got to kill this guy that's going to kill my mom issues to geologists passed out with their wangs hanging out. You got ant eaters all over the fucking place and it's just fucking ridiculous, okay? Where everything is gone. And he still honestly has no closure. And especially as we're looking at this. In this little portion of the film. It's like he. His dad is. Is he going to die? We don't know. But he really wants to have that last little bit of closure. Because honestly. All this stuff has kind of brought him closer to his dad. And has made him a little bit of a different person. And now he realizes what his life has been. And. Let's see where we go before the credits roll. I have to tell you something. But I'm afraid it makes me sound like a bad person. 
I never let mom get over you. Every man that came along, I drove him away. She had so many chances to be happy. And I never let her. I always thought you'd come back. Then we pick up where we left off. Why did you write to me? Dad, why did you write to me? So, motherfucking, god damn it, that was come to daddy. Why? Why Why are you going to leave that on like a cliffhanger? And there is like the thing that you see at the end where, and you're not watching this, right? Of course you're not fucking watching this and I'm fucking stupid for saying that. But he reaches his hand over weakly to grab his hand. Basically signifying that because I wanted to see you. That's the way that I'm taking it. That there was something like he can't speak, he's really weak, but he went over there to grab his son's hand because he wanted to be his dad. And that's kind of what I get out of it. It could be something totally different, and I'm pretty sure the the writer-director, he has something very much in mind that he, like, you know, this was all taken basically, I think, from an idea the director had, like a dream that he had, and somebody else actually fully wrote out everything and made a story around it. Uh, And that could be something else that I'm thinking of. But if I'm right, I'm right. Yay, if I'm wrong, oh well, I'm fucking wrong. Uh, But it's it's just such an interesting movie. And to end like that, it's it's both happy and dismal at the same time. Like, because they're out there, they're watching the water. He finally connected with his dad in some way, shape, and form. And then who knows what's going to happen with the father. But he's still alive by the end of it. And you think that he might actually be dead. And they both just kind of sit there and watch the waves come in. And that's the end of the movie. And who knows if mom's going to be coming because mom's supposed to be coming on Friday. And I have no idea what fucking day it is because the film doesn't tell you what time is in this movie. So, I was very surprised at the film in general. Um, It is nothing of what I expected it to be. Like I said, I expected it to be a film that was about, you know, the the relationship between them. And when he died, when Gordon died, I really felt that was going to be like him coming to terms with the death and it about being closure and he didn't get the closure that he needed and he's going to learn more stuff about his dad. And then maybe it's going to be one of those situations where it's like you're going to be just like your father and he ends up being just like him at the end of the movie with everything that drives him insane. 
it's a horror movie in regards to some of the psychological horror, but it's a little more of a thriller movie as it moves along. I did read some reviews after I finished the movie because I kind of want to see where other people sat. And some people, it seems to be like a lover to hate it. Either you really like it or you really don't. And one guy, he put out there, at least on the um, on IMDb, he put no plot. And I'm like, what? There, There is a plot to this movie. It just doesn't feel like it because it changes modes as it goes on. It's not what it started to be. And if you're just going by the trailer, well, then you don't get what they were trying to do with the trailer. That's my feeling, right? They were trying to not give anything away. Why do we need to have that? Why do I need to tell you where the movie is going to go? I loved the fact that I only knew about the first 20 minutes of this movie. And once it changed, I was like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Like, it was... That's why I want people to watch this before they even listen to this version of the podcast. Because I want people to understand that it's it's such a weird tonal shift when you go to finding him down below to now you got to go kill fucking Jethro. And that's basically your third act of the movie. The second act is finding that who the father really is. And the third act is killing Jethro because he's going to kill his mom. Maybe it feels like it doesn't go anywhere, but there's definitely a plot there. It's about learning of himself and like that he's taken everything that he's got for granted and he thought that he had some like bigger thing of how he got to where or where his mom got to where she was. But honestly, she was just a prostitute that got lucky that he cared enough for her and for the, the kid that he made to basically give all the money that he stole from his ruthless companions to them to give his son the best life ever and the son just couldn't like come to terms with that and he never really knew right so you have norval being this character that is both like you you get annoyed with him because of the lifestyle that he has and because he thinks that he's bigger than he is and he tries to show himself off as being like this you know big i don't need you dad but really he does he does need his father and it's a really good i think it's a pretty good case story like that you could say with that type of like abandonment issue try even though you're not what you are like trying to prove that i didn't need you right until the father really needs him and his mom really needs him. And he kind of needs his dad too. Because he doesn't know how to handle this situation. Because he's a big old soft guy. You know. He's not just. You know. Uh, as big. And you know. As friendly with Reginald. As he could be. So. It's it's a very interesting movie. But I found it very entertaining. Now. Is it going to win any great awards with me? Anything like that? Probably not. Um, you know, I think that it, it still has its flaws. I feel like that, uh, there are things that moved a little too quickly. I would have liked a little more of what we got towards the end of it. I think that, uh, if Gordon had died earlier or maybe if even Norval had caused Gordon's death, like actually killed him, like out of rage or something like that and felt bad for it and then found out, oh, well, he's a bad guy and then he could have rationalized it. That might've been kind of cool. Uh, but it's just, it's not, uh, it's not as cohesive as I would have liked it to be, but the twists make it so worthwhile. So 
the gore factor in the film, I'm giving it a three out of five because this the scene where he's stabbing the guy in the dick is pretty fucking gory with the blood coming out everywhere. Uh, it's disturbing to see the guy, the same guy, getting his head wrapped in cellophane. Uh, when the poo pen goes in, like it's an up close shot of the pen actually breaking the skin and going into him. It's quite disgusting. And then the brain scene, uh, where he slides the thing into his brains. Uh, it's great. I'd love it, but it's a little bit over the top. So that's where it gives me kind of a three out of five. It might even be like a two, two and a half out of five, but I'm going to give it a solid three. Uh, the crap factor, I think it's a, a two out of five because it's a little random, especially with some of the characters that kind of pop up and pop in and then never appear again. Like the, you know, one sheriff or cop that comes in. I really like the character. I would have loved to have seen more of him. We saw more of the corner than we did anything else. I really love the acting in this movie. The guy that plays Gordon is fantastic. The guy that plays, um, Brian is also great. The guy who plays Jethro is pretty good. Uh, and Elijah Wood is fantastic. Fan-fucking-tastic in this movie. And it, it made me really like it. It's one of my favorite roles I think that he's done. So that brings me to the fun factor where it's a 3 out of 5. I think that it, it could have been higher. Uh, it was a little slow in the beginning. It, you know, it took a little too long to get to the second act, in my opinion. But once it really started rolling in the middle of the second act... It just never stopped, and I kept enjoying it. I wish Jethro was in it more. I wish what, you know, Norval became was in it a little more. And Brian, I wish he was in it a little more, too. Um, and that we actually fucking learned the reason why he asked him to come. Was it for him to, he knew that they were going to come, and they were going to attack him, and it was to save him? I, I don't know. It could be a lot of things, but it's also kind of cool that it's kind of left up to you to decide exactly what, what was going to be the final result. So overall, I'm going to give this film three out of five daddy issues. I think that it's entertaining. I think that if you were, like I said earlier, if you were interested in seeing it, I think that you're going to really enjoy it. I think some people are going to be turned off by how random it seems and that it seems like it just jumps from one thing to the next. But I feel like, well, one, of course, we know that was done on purpose because of the way that it was done. And two, I felt that it like breathed some new light into the way the movie was done. So if you were really interested in seeing it and you end up listening to this podcast, I'm sorry that the twists got spoiled for you. But I think that it's well worthwhile to still go back. It's still on Amazon Prime. If you have that, go back and watch it. Otherwise, uh, as one of the other favorite YouTubers that uh, I love to watch every now and then, except for I'm going to twist this thing, you make sure you watch this any way that you can if you're really interested in seeing it. So uh, with all that <laughs> being said, uh, we are... Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a tonal shift uh, for a bit because I did some new stuff and stuff that people may have been interested, they may not have been interested, or they wanted to see the films. And so I'm going to go back, we're going to go back to the 80s. Now there's going to be two films that, well I guess one maybe is in the 90s. Uh, it's a possibility that it was uh, you know, late 90s, early, it looks like early 90s. So we're going to go into kind of early 90s, late 80s with both of the films. And they're going to be two completely different films. I'm going to try to do something different with the second one if I can uh, than what I normally do. Uh, but I want to do this one first while I figure out what I'm doing with the second one. Uh, because I think that that film that I'm going to look at after this one uh, deserves a little more time to be talked about 
And uh, it's definitely a polarizing film, but I want to do something silly kind of in between. And so the silly movie that I'm going to do uh, is a PG-rated horror movie. And it's not totally horror. It's more of a comedy. But uh, I, I this is one of those movies I find so stupid, but I really enjoy it. Um, and I want to take a look back and see if it's as enjoyable as I remembered as a kid. And uh, I'm going to let the movie speak for itself. So this comes from 1992, starring John Ritter and the principal, who I always forget the guy's name, uh, who was in Ferris Bueller's Days Off. And that movie is... Sorry to disturb you at this hour, but I have something you want. A new TV? It broadcast programs no one had ever seen. Wednesday at 9, don't miss an all-new episode of The Silencer of the Lambs. Then one night, Roy and Helen Nabel got sucked in and discovered that hell <laughs> is one TV show after another. Let's welcome our new contestants, Roy and Helen starring in every show i've watched enough wrestling to know one thing it's all fake no one ever gets it. not fake not fake so the object the object mr pierce is to kill them before they reach the end oh my god we're cartoons i am not a mouse i'm helen nabel i have two beautiful children Now, they can't go home. They can only switch channels. Where'd he go? Hey, lady, watch out! And every series is a nightmare. That's entertainment. Because Satan is the sponsor. Okay, everybody, head spins. Very good, very nice. Well, time to rock and roll. Star me up. You got star me up. This comedy from hell. That'll save her. Stay tuned. Where have you been? That's right. I'm going to look at the 1992 John Ritter classic quote-unquote classic stay tuned it's a movie that i saw after this finished is like recommended stay tuned i'm like how did that get recommended after watching come to daddy but it is available on amazon prime so if you have amazon prime you can watch it for free i think it's also available out there on youtube if you know how to find it um it's a very interesting film it's a very silly film it's (laughs) it feels like it's on the lines of the john lovitz classic mom and dad save the earth where it's just the right amount of cheese to where I think it's really funny, but it could possibly be terrible for some people. But it's a movie I haven't seen in a really long time. I thought I'd go back, you know, a little bit in time since we've been doing some new stuff and see how everybody enjoyed that film. Um, but, you know, watch it. I hope you guys really enjoyed this one. I really enjoyed talking about this film. And even though maybe there wasn't as much like funny stuff for me to poke at, I really did enjoy watching this. It's not a four-star movie for me. You know, it's still in the three. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that I feel like it has rooms to like improve upon itself. And I think that you'd still really enjoy it. With all that being said, so we're going to do that for the next episode. Uh, 
Don't forget to go out there and check out the slightly regular podcast network, which is sipnet.us, Network Sip out there on Twitter. There's a whole host of podcasts that are out there. From the Waste, the Angry Dad Podcast, uh, Dead Hand Radio, I almost said Deadhead Radio, that's something completely different. Uh, the Podcast from Another World, which you also find on this channel, Back in Time Podcast, Paranormal Pativity Podcast, and Five Fave from Fans, uh, as well as the Terrible Terror Podcast. We're all available as part of this network, and we all support each other, and so I want to make sure everybody gets their proper shout-out on every single episode, and to make sure that you check out the other podcasts on the network, whether you like things from the Cold War, you like lists, you like old-school you know, throwback movies, you like the paranormal, you like positivity, or you like talking or hearing about dave <laughs> i was gonna say you like hearing dave talk but i'm gonna leave that shit in <laughs> or or me talk one of the three things i think that i'm talking about but anyway so you know we all appreciate the love that everybody has for these podcasts and i would just want to make sure that if you listen to this and you haven't decided on whether or not there's something else out there for you um, check out the other episodes that they have. There's a lot, you know, Angry Dad recently celebrated 350 podcasts, uh, which is a fucking fuck ton of motherfucking podcasts that he's got out there. Uh, if you want a starting point with Paranormal Pat, you know, you can listen to 13 Ghosts. Uh, you can actually listen to his 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo episode. Actually, that's the one I think that you should start with nowadays, because it's really cool to hear him talk about that old uh, TV show that starred the one and only Vincent Price. But go check out the other episodes. I'm on to 13 Ghosts, and uh, then the last one that we did, which was Ghost squad or ghost for ghost team i think that's what it's called ghost squad that's terrible i I did not like that movie so uh i don't remember what the name is uh for that and then you know go check out the episodes that dave's on on 5a from fans Uh, they're really great lists and there's a couple with neil who's a listener here uh that he's got on there want angry dad uh anything you can listen to anything of it um and then for Dead Hen Radio, you can check out the episode with Dave if you want to kind of like ease into things. Uh, but there have been Jamie from Five Fae from Fans, I believe, has also been on there on an episode. So you can check that out. And then um, there's also, I always forget, I don't know why I always forget about this podcast. Uh, back in time, there's plenty of episodes out there. There's plenty of episodes with everybody on out there. Um, if you want something more recent, check out Teen Wolf. It's a good episode. Uh, and you can check out the one that Ben's on where they basically open up their like CD wallets and talk about uh, CDs from the 90s. Uh, that they have in there where they're wrong about Alien Ant Farm, except for JD, because uh, that CD has a ton of fucking bangers on it. Um, just want everybody to know that that is the right opinion, is that Alien Ant Farm has bangers. Um, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, the, the other podcast, like I said, I always forget to talk about, is the other one that I do, which is called It Be Like That. And that's a podcast with Pat and I, where we just kind of talk about everything and... We did one a little while ago that I really enjoyed doing, which was the 30-Day Song Challenge, where we basically went through and we listed off songs that matched a 30-Day Song List, basically, from a song with a color in the title to what make what song reminds me of you. Uh, and if you listen to the very last episode, we had the Angry Dad come through with the Not-So-Angry Mom, and she talked about uh, her, well, he talked about his songs from that list with, you know, 
the not so angry mom chiming in with her thoughts and how the list is done stuff. It's really interesting. I really enjoyed it and I liked hearing what he had to say as well as, you know, I talked about some cover songs that I really enjoy. So if you like hearing me talk about other things that aren't horror movies or just movies in general, uh, go check out that podcast as well. I'd really enjoy if you guys took a, a moment to check out an episode or two. Um, and then, so with all that, everything being said, and that we are finally at the end of this podcast, make sure that you follow the podcast out there on Facebook, facebook.com slash terribleterrorpodcast, Twitter, twitter.com slash t underscore t underscore podcast, Instagram, terribleterrorpodcast, as well as YouTube, terribleterrorpodcast, to search for that on YouTube. I don't have my own fancy URL just yet, but, uh... Please make sure you check that out. I did an unboxing video of the Shining board game and would appreciate if you guys looked at that and subscribed to the channel. Uh, And with all that being said, thank you guys for listening. Make sure to take care of yourselves and each other. We'll see you next time. Stay tuned. Bye-bye.